know, this is one of those things where you have to record. It's, uh, although I guess I, technically I don't have to start recording. I just do out of habit. But uh, right. look at, look at, oh, there's Freddie. Okay. So I'm going to say goodbye. Go yeah, go and come back and then. All right. Well, or, or, you know, you can just stay here, do your thing. And then the Fred man and I will just be left alone here in this meeting. Like when I go when I normally go. I yeah. take my rest to study my news. That was yeah. weird. Yeah, it is weird. <laughs> you study the news, do you? Yes, I must study the news. All right. In a restful way, yes. I, I'm, well, listen, man, I look forward to you coming back and doing if, the news. I don't know. I don't know if you heard. The world's going to shit. Oh, my God. I don't even know what to do. I don't even know. Like, uh, should we do a show <clears throat> that's just nonsense so that people get a, a break from all the bullshit? Or should we just go lean hard into the, you know, the news narrative? I don't know. I'm reading like the Fox News thing this morning at Tucker Carlson uh, oh, yeah. yesterday supporting Putin. I'm surprised at all the responses. People are going, fuck that. Okay, even that's too far for us now, Tara. Is it really? You know, it's funny you say that because I, I looked at both sites this morning, yeah. CNN and Fox. And I, I saw that thing. Uh, Tucker Carlson's essay was, you know, why should we hate Putin? I don't know. <laughs> I was like, I'm not sure if I want to click on this because it's just, it'll be too upsetting. <laughs> but, uh, you know, the no, fact that... Uh, these yeah. Americans have been trained to hate. Yeah, we've been trained to, yeah, yeah. Without any real basis, when really you should hate your own government because yes. they're guilty of, of you, know, uh, <laughs> the, you know, the race theory thing and oh, yeah. fucking, and, um, you know, uh, cancel culture. That's what you should be focused on. Yeah, not the we fact that uh, to hate Putin. Uh, Putin is, uh, you know, killed journalists. He's about to rage war, and hundreds of thousands of people may die. But Tucker Carlson thinks we're overreacting. Um, anyway, Dan Duran, let's get the show started. Um, let's do that. Maybe we do a hybrid show: some news, some nonsense. What do you say? That sounds about right. All right, here's Dan Duran, everybody. This episode of Humble and Fred is coming to you live from La Quinta, California and Panama City, Florida, and is brought to you by Gig Sky, the Retirement Sherpa, the Chambers Plan, Bodog, Health Gauge, Canna Cabana, and GoDaddy. And now here are two men who have found the perfect temperature for their old guy bodies, and it's in the same country that does the crazy stuff they despise, but fuck it! <laughs> the hypocrisy guys, humble and friend. That's right. The uh, If it suits us, it's okay. Thank you, Dan Duran. And uh, go, right. go take a rest now. <laughs> and uh, investigate some news. Dan Duran will be back. Big show today. A couple of our friends. Well, a guy that's become a friend of the show, Stu Stone. Who, uh, as we all know, is a uh, regular on the Toronto Mike podcast. And um, Stu's got a, a history with uh, Bob Saget. And uh, it'll be interesting to uh, hear Stu's memory of Saget as well. Stu's partner is with us today. And they've, um, they've formed, his name is Adam Rodness, and they've formed a... Uh, a film company called Five Foot Seven Films or Five Seven Films because they're both five seven, Fred. 
And uh, they've just finished a uh, another movie, but they've got a great story about a great story. It's an interesting story about how all their equipment was stolen um, while they were shooting this movie. I think in Winnipeg. Anyway, it's uh, they're on the show today. Uh, no Sherpa today, but we have a, a Sherpa message. Right on. Yeah, man. Uh, you said the Sherpa might be in uh, in transit, in uh, driving back to uh, the hinterland. Yeah, I think so. Mm-hmm. But I'm not 100% sure. Well, that's fine. He's, had, right. a nice, uh, he's had a nice uh, break. Yes. From it all. Mm-hmm. Um. I was telling you before we started, why, where did you go? Did your just Wi-Fi go down? I don't know. I guess. Maybe. Because one I second know. I was doing something, I changed screens, and all of a sudden you were gone. It was upsetting. I'll tell you what's weird, and this is going to sound, I know, I know that a program director would say, don't talk about where you are, but, uh, you know, if you're listening to our show, you know where we are. And last night we had rain here, which was weird and it was seven degrees overnight and uh when you know a lot of people that have been to this part of california know as soon as the sun goes down in the evening it gets cold mm-hmm. but uh, i've never experienced what i experienced last night it was raining and it was like you know i've been here long enough that when it dips down into the seven to ten degree range it feels really cold in fact i talked to this guy the other day that does guided tours of joshua tree Mm-hmm. And I was asking about people in the summertime. I said, do people get disoriented and, you know, dehydrated? And he says, no, no, I'll tell you what he said. We lose a couple of people every year to uh, hypothermia. Hmm. Wow. Yeah. And I'm like, what? He said, yeah, man, it gets so cold there in the high desert that people die from, you know, f- freezing to death. Yeah, it's an amazing place. I've been there a couple of times, actually. And I think the second time we went, as we drove into the park, it was like 80 degrees. And then at a couple of the vistas, yeah, it was windy and cold. And then you get back in the car and like 10 minutes later, it's hot again. It's just weird, weird, weird. So from where I am to Joshua Tree National Park, it was about a, an hour and 20 minute drive. And then we drove 20 kilometers into the park to a couple of those lookouts you're talking about. One, if you know the area, we went to one called uh, Keys Lookout or Keys Point. When we left our house, it was almost 80 degrees, 75 degrees. When we got up there, it, was, it wasn't even, it was in the high 50s. Yeah. It was so windy, my sweet little wife didn't even want to come out to the end of where the lookout was because she was afraid she'd, you know, blow into the valley. Um, it was that <laughs> sort of, it was sort of that unsettling. It's just, but the stuff like that fascinates me. I just thought, dro- go ahead. No, and then we drove out of the park and then we happened upon this old sort of western town. Yeah, I, I know. But it wasn't, it wasn't a Western town as a tourist attraction. It was like a, an old Western town. Yeah. And it was just, you know, just people dressed as cowboys and carrying on like it was a, uh, an episode of Yellowstone or something. I don't know. It we drove right crazy. by it. It literally drove. I know exactly where you were. Rachel said, you want to go to Pioneer, whatever they call it, old Western town or Pioneer town. And 
Um, <laughs> but I was just laughing because, you know, we've been talking a lot about my stinging pee hole the last couple of months, and it's starting to get better. But I have had this, as people who've listened to the show, I've had some urgency. I can no longer make it through a show without having to go to the washroom. So the, sure enough, I'm up there at this point. And, you know, we were, there was people around, but, you know, you can kind of take these little walks, and we were on a little trail. And uh, next thing I know, I've got to go to the washroom. So I'm having a leak behind a desert bush. And Rachel's just looking at me, shaking her head. She's like, what are you doing? I go, I got to go. I can't. I can't. So I took a leak on a, I don't know, some kind of cacti. That, uh, yeah, that puts a whole new spin on pissing into the wind. Eh? That's right. <laughs> um, anyway, we're here. Uh, you know, we could, there's lots of stuff we could talk about. There's, I mean, it's, it's upsetting. You know, we had Trump, then we had a pandemic, and then we've had, you know, the freedom, and then we had the insurrection, the convoy, and now we're on the brink of some kind of global, you know, meltdown. We've got, right-wing commentators in this country siding with the Russian dictator. Donald Trump yesterday, literally, did you see that story? Trump going on some talk show, talking about what a genius... Mm-hmm. This guy's about to Vladimir Putin is about to bring harm to hundreds of thousands of people. And the ex-president is talking about what a genius the guy is like. I don't I have lost the ability. Maybe you can put it into some kind of perspective. Uh, uh, maybe I'm a simpleton, but, you know, I repeatedly say it. I've said it that the whole Trump movement, that whole thing, the seed is racism. It's white nationalism. I, I I still believe that. And even a guy like Tucker Carlson, who goes on about, you know, why do we hate Vladimir Putin? And then he lists all the reasons, you know, Americans should be mad at their own government before Putin. It's all disturbing stuff. But and then he's talking about, you know, Trump saying that Putin was a genius and maybe we should have a look at that. You know, Trump wants to be Putin. You know, he wants to be an autocrat. He wants to be a dictator and he wants to control the country. And people like Tucker Carlson and that ilk, they don't mind it so much, even though it could be a bit risky. A guy like Donald Trump in that position in the United States means they can start to cleanse. And I'm I'm sorry, but that's the way I feel. And and I think that is the that is the gist of it. Uh, that yeah. might seem extreme. That might seem uh, as uh, as uh, one of our uh, listeners called me a drama queen. But to me, that's the seed. Sorry. Yeah, I'm just looking at the Carlson thing for those comments. I can't find them. But uh, if you're looking for it, it says uh, Tucker Carlson. Americans have been trained to hate Putin and will suffer because of it. And um, yeah, I mean, when I said about perspective, it's just so hard to comprehend that we're at this point. And I list the things that we've gone through now. I left here two years ago. I, I, I came back to Canada around the 27th of uh, February after having spent six days in the hospital here. And uh, just before I had left, we were mocking you because you sent me a picture of you wearing a mask on a flight to Mexico. And so much has changed in our world, you and I, and of course the world at large. So much has changed. But as I've said many times, could you have ever imagined two years ago that all of this would have transpired? In the last 24 months, all the things we're talking about. Yes, Trump was still president. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. 
you know, the pandemic was just new. Trump was talking about it will it will go away. There's only 15 cases. Like there's so many things that have happened. But a, a next president siding with a Russian dictator about to wage war on his own people, on on some of his own people, is something I couldn't have imagined. No, I, again, how do you explain it other than extremism? I mean, you know, and when I say cleanse in the United States, I don't mean the way it's happened in other countries. I mean just making it so their democracy, what's left of it, you can control who votes. Yeah. And you can control the, the ongoing sort of um, profile of your country, which they want to remain white sorry that's just it to me and i think the seeds of it go back years because demographically psychographically the uh, excuse me the the nature of the country has changed where it used to be white was sort of the majority and they, and i think mm-hmm. just like in canada they could see that you know immigrants which is ironic because the whole both of our countries are based on immigration Right. But I think what happened here is they saw the changing face of the of the population mm-hmm. and it scared them. And that's why this yeah. whole make when they said make America great again, mm-hmm. what they mean is make America white again. Oh, yeah. Or maintain it. You know, that Phil King uh, crackpot, one of the organizers here in Ottawa. Pat King. Yeah. Or Pat King. What did I say? Yeah, Phil. Anyway, yeah. Uh, oh, Phil King. No, he's... Pat King, yeah. yeah. Uh, Pat, Pat King Cole. He, you know, if you've seen some of the clips of him, he yeah. like, looks into a camera and explains it yeah. in an awkward hillbilly type way. But he, you know, it's all there. And it's funny, through all the Ottawa stuff, all the people that sided with the protesters and were against Trudeau and all this stuff and freedom... None of them ever wanted to reference that guy. No one ever really wanted to defend him. They sort of just didn't mention him, right? Uh, and I thought, and the other day he's arrested. And again, I'm looking at all the usual suspect. None of them are talking about that, mm-hmm. you know? So it's one thing, you know, you can buy into a, you can buy into any situation, but, you know, you can't report or you can't, as we've said through omission you can't you can't omit that stuff to support your story when it's actually when there it is it's happening it's not good you know that's a stain on that movement Mm -hmm. so you should recognize it well it's interesting two things so this pat king guy and i had i i I tried to find that audio of him making fun of chinese people and yeah you know it's it's just disgusting but it but to your point, you know, the people in the conservative party mm-hmm. don't seem, you know, and all the Ezra Levance and the mm-hmm. right wing tits, none of them seem to want to, you know, associate with this guy. But what I found funny is he gets arrested and he's also been served with a $300 million lawsuit, civil suit from all the people in Ottawa whose lives he fucked over. Mm-hmm. But, but the best part is his lawyer says he doesn't want to go to jail. He's afraid of COVID. <laughs> what do you mean you're afraid of covid i thought you were the whole point of it but mm-hmm. if i if i may be just just give me a second you know i talked to you the other day about this western the idea of western unrest and that not understanding what canadians west of toronto 
have gone through and feel is to miss some of the point of this. Mm-hmm. Yes. So there's an article from CTV this morning, and it's a uh, it's pretty interesting. Criminal anthropologists suggest looking to the West to find the heart of protests and blockades that grip the nation. And what she says in this article is that she says you have to understand these people in Canada. It's not just anti-vaxxers. It's people who are feeling disassociated. She says there are three camps participating in, in what participants are calling freedom convoys. The least harmful are the people who see freedom as the right to choose whether to be vaccinated and to bypass restrictions. But there are some, as she says, who are going to crave this affiliation spilling into more extremist groups. So it starts, I mean, that's why we, it's too simple to to lump all the anti-vaxxers into this protest because what it's shown is it's really the Pat Kings. It's the, remember I mentioned yesterday that Aryan nations, you know, in the 80s was centered in Alberta. Mm-hmm. And, and and two of the three organizers of this shit show are from Alberta. And it again, it's, you know, not understanding that there is some disassociation there that what that's what's causing this Mm -hmm. and all this stuff started to whip up with trump you know all the dog whistles about mexicans and the borders yep and and, uh people from the middle east and he started it again when that when a person the most powerful man on earth starts to say those things it sort of opens the other door uh, opens the door for people to go whoa he, he said it and you know, he's running the free world, so maybe I can say it. And this is where it all started, and this is why, you know, I keep coming back to all of it. just comes from that. And, you know, it's not really is it that much of a surprise because we know that, you know, it was below the surface forever. It always has been. The underbelly of the U.S. and even Canada to some degree. And now that door was opened and we're hearing about it. I, I No one should be surprised. No, you're this right. Is why, yeah. Well, maybe it's not. This, I was going to say. Go say okay. you, 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 but just let me say this. It's not yeah. surprising, but it's still disturbing. Oh, without a doubt. Without a doubt. You know, it's like it's that truth you don't want to hear, but it's there. And that's the scary thing about, you know, Trump, you know, setting himself up again for 2024. If it comes to that. All these like simpletons, like just getting in line and following him down the road. And it's it's scary because, listen, he he wanted to overthrow the government. Is that not enough? Uh, Well, that's again, which I think when you when you think about what we all saw a year ago, January, let me get back quickly. Just finish this article. And this this woman is very, very she's a former RCMP officer. She's very bright. And what she says, and this is the sentence I thought you'd love. She says, what we're seeing now is the undermining of trust in the institutions that we would normally turn to for information. And so there's no sense of what's true anymore. Think about that. We've lost the trust in the institutions. We and and it's it's like I said this about Trump early on, and, and I'll repeat it now. One of the most brilliant things, and whether it was his or Steve Bannon's, but one of the things that he made common is the idea of fake news. Mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. to cover all manner of sin. And, mm-hmm. and you and I have been in the media. Yeah, we've been doing fart jokes and talking nonsense for a long time, but we've been in the media for most of our adult lives. And the idea of the media is fake it's really brilliant because then no matter what happens, you just go, Oh, it's fake news. Either go. I, I said this yesterday and I, we didn't have a chi- time to expand on it, but even the most simplest of Trump supporters, don't they ever wonder why it's always someone else's fault? Because nothing, even this current thing that he's going through with the, um, Attorney General in New York. I laughed out loud. I did. When I read, thinking those guys are, they, they've got to be kidding themselves if they think they're ever going to get this family to, to depose or testify. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that, that sentence about the undermining of trust in the institutions we normally turn to for information. And of course, as you said, it's all social media. It's all the ability to find a narrative that lines up with what you believe or what you think is true did i tell you on the show or off uh the show the guy who owns this house that i'm sitting in now you know is starting to sort of hoard stuff because of oh yeah you told me yesterday i think i told you yeah yeah Yeah, because of inflation there and you know he then he sat in a chair and he told me about you know you you know you can't believe anything you hear in the media and then proceeds to tell me his go-to is fox news yeah and i just said to him straight up i said hey buddy i've been in the media for 40 years and i said part of it some of it was reporting it was sports and whatever but if that's where that's probably the last place you should be getting your news (laughs) and so what was the reaction and thinking that is the straight goods and i you know i have no skin in the game but i look at cnn i look at fox i look at msnbc and all the nonsense is at Fox. Yeah, CNN, MSNBC, they all have their faults. Of course, every media outlet does, has their slants and their and their favorites. But Fox is like an outer space for dunderheads. It's for simpletons. And that guy sat there and, you know, the profile of, and I don't want to be too cutting with the guy, but it, I just wasn't surprised. It was the profile you would expect, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, um, there's a, I, I didn't I didn't open it because I was looking at something else. But there's a headline on Fox from Hannity, and the headline is Trump was right. <laughs> it's like, mm-hmm. and, I, and I don't know if we're going to live long enough. You and I, we've only got about twenty odd years left. Will we live long enough to ever see, you know, this come to some kind of resolution that exposes it? I don't know if we ever will. No, it's impossible now. There's no going back from where we are. As long as we have social media and everybody has a voice and everybody yeah. has an influence. No. I'm, I'm, you know, I was quite passionate about it the other night talking to my wife and my brother-in-law about it. And I just said, you know, if, and this is extreme, if they came out tomorrow and shut down social media, I don't know if I could argue with it. I, honestly, I couldn't. But. Well, let me just go back to, uh, well, I know that. Um mm-hmm. Here's the the final sentence from this article. And if you're looking for the article, just go uh, CTB News Calgary. And the uh, woman's name is Laidlaw. I'm sorry. I should have had her name at the beginning if I was any kind of journalist. Anyway, the last thing she says in this article, she says, from a legal perspective, from a legal uh, perspective, Canada is entirely dependent on social media platforms 
to self-regulate. But despite efforts, that type of that type of information continues to spread the information we're talking about. You know, what happened was social media isn't the problem. An unregulated social media was part of the problem because being traditional media guys like you and I from radio, TV and newspapers, the old standards, we were regulated by what we could say. Until 1988, so was the U.S. regulated by having to have fair and balanced opinions. And we've talked about this on the show before, but look it up, folks. There was a point in time where you had to present both sides of the argument. Fox News couldn't have existed until that was taken away, until you could actually just purport, purport or say whatever the fuck you wanted without anyone... Like, I don't know if people remember when Fox first started, there was that show with Hannity and Coombs and Hannity was the right. And this guy, Alan Coombs, who was, you know, was just yelled down and berated, but he was on the left. Well, they don't do that anymore, but that's the problem. Social media as a platform is unregulated social media is the problem because you and I could not have said the things on our show in the, in the nineties that are said on right wing radio now. Yeah, and how do you, and again, I don't know how you regulate it. Like, how do you regulate it? Well, that's the problem. You Where do you begin? Because every day there's, you know, something would pop up. Like, it'd be like uh, whack-a-mole, you know, like, like what do you do? Like, Well, no, the point is you can't, but the point is you because you can't, because an unregulated social media was set afire. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so is this, does this count as the newsy part of the show? And can we maybe, you know, uh, talk about some other things? I know people are listening to us for, I don't know, who knows what reasons anymore. I mean, the show has changed so much in the last 27 months. Um, you know, I think we actually owe it to ourselves sometimes, you know, just to have. Uh, and it's hard to be lighthearted, you know, when well, all of this is, is going and on. You, and you hope, like you know through this some humor pops up but you're right i mean even this morning i'm you know what's happening with ukraine and then i'm reading about stock markets and then a lot of people's retirement savings could be hammered by this and it's oh yeah you know you get a guy like one guy as i said yesterday just why is it just a couple of guys at the top get to decide for all of us it gets back to that thing where you just like to take you know the leaders and put them in a you know a cage match or something and who wins like you suffer why why does everybody else have to suffer for you you know they're all hidden away in their little bunkers and making the decisions while other people are dying and losing their mm-hmm. savings and it's it's it, it, it like what humor do you find through that no i i, I you know when I, I woke up uh I woke up in the middle of the night because of the rain, but I, I had a nice sleep. I wake up about quarter after five, and of course, I start looking at my phone and reading the news, and I thought that. I thought, you know, this is not only going to be painful, and people are going to die through this, but there's going to there's going to be a global effect. On, and that's why I started off by saying we had Trump, then we had a pandemic, then we had the insurrection, then we had the Freedom Convoy, and now we're on the brink of something that has been a, that has never that hasn't happened in most of our life, even our parents' lifetimes. You know, the last time this happened, our mums and dadsies would have been in their twenties in the nineteen thirties and the forties, and and all of this was going on, and now we're about to experience it. 
And, uh, you know, it's pretty scary. Yeah. Well, hopefully diplomacy on some level will work. Who knows? Well, the very least is there's a grown-up in the White House. Say what you want about old Grandpa Joe, but his, his ilk, you know, remember Ronald Reagan, you know, saying to the Russian president, tear that wall down. You know, that's who we're up against. And the fact that the Tucker Carlson's and the Sean Hannity's are on the other side is just so bizarre. Maybe that's the humor in it. All those guys, their poster boy for, um, you know, conservatism in the States is is Ronald Reagan. And Ronald Reagan once said, we can never, we never will trust the Russians. Yeah. Ever. So they've gone against that because politically they see some advantage to that. Uh I don't know. I, don't and, I mean, again, you know, Ronald Reagan, say what you want about him in, you know, trickle down economics and maybe, you know, debating his effectiveness as a president. But he did get the, you know, under his presidency, the Berlin Wall came down. And now here we are some 40 years later. And there are there are people in the political landscape here that are on the sides of the Russians, which is, again, I don't know. It's so bizarre. It's hard to contemplate. I'll tell you what, though. We do need to switch gears. I got a couple things I want to run by you. I I mentioned something at the end of the show, and I wanted to get your take on it. In the meantime, let's talk a little bit about the people that are supporting this program. Thank you very, very much. Yes, like the Chambers Plan, Canada's number one group's benefits uh, group benefits plan for small business. Uh, officially, Chambers of Commerce Group Insurance Plan is the name. HumbleandFredRadio.com, that's our corporate name, is part of this. Yes, we are. You know, as Howard sits in California, as I sit here in Florida, we are covered by the Chambers Plan, the travel insurance, fantastic top to bottom. Prescriptions, okay, dental, the Teladoc system, all sorts of therapies, depending on the level that you buy into. This works so well for small business because collectively you have the image of a big business. They can hold down the premiums or, you know, hold the line on them. Brett Tanner was on the other day explaining how well they have done that. So, hey, listen, you become part of this. You have the security that not only can you afford it, but you will continue to be able to afford it. It's the Chambers of Commerce Group Insurance Plan. Go to chamberplan.ca. Yeah. Uh, Actually, I was really, uh, I should have mentioned this about the Chamber Plan, but I had a, uh, a former sponsor of our show reach out to me and say, can you uh, have an introduction with uh, your guy from the Chamber Plan? And I forgot to mention it to you because early on, Hundy Peas will may remember, what was the sandwich place, Fred? I know, Jesus. I started to type. What's fit for life? Mm -hmm. Uh, One of our sponsors, uh, Sam, who listens to the show, Sam Davis is his name. He also owns all those international news. I think that's his thing. But he reached out to me, and I couldn't have been happier to hook up. And he's got a... It's a small, big business. But I thought it was cool that a guy like that is looking to the chamber plan. Uh, and so the uh, cycle of goodness continues, Fred, man. Okay? Yes, it does. Uh, I would also like to tell you, if I may, about GoDaddy. This program brought to you by GoDaddy Powering Small Business and Entrepreneurs. I love that that's 
kind of who we talk to. For over 25 years and servicing over 20 million customers worldwide, GoDaddy, Go Daddy, is where people come to get a domain, create a website, and everything else you need to get your business online. There's no better time than now to get your idea online. With GoDaddy, you can find your domain, easily create your website, and finally bring it to life. With GoDaddy's free and friendly 24-7 support, also here to help you every step of the way. You can even start your website for free with GoDaddy. No credit cards required. Visit GoDaddy.ca to learn more. So you've been... um, (laughs) I don't know how to tell you this. So you've been uh, playing golf with your brother-in-law, Clyde. Have you yes. been joined up with anyone, or have you guys been able to play yes. on your own? You have? A couple of times, yes. Okay. okay, so when you... And I've been doing this for a long time, you know, going away, mm-hmm. joining up as a single, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, getting paired with people. And, and I generally... Let me just message our guest here. Stand by. You know, generally the conversation... You know, in a you know when you join up with a foursome, and you know it's like pretty standard golf stuff. You know where are you from? You know how you know talk about golf, and generally, you know it's it comes up. Uh, what do you do? What, 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 what kind of business are you in? So my question to you is, if that ever comes up in conversation, what do you say? I say I work in the radio business, and more often than not, people don't really care. It's not like I'm probed about it. Okay. They just, you know, it's not, the odd time people will say, oh, really? What did you do? And then I explain it to them. But I right. do. I don't make stuff up. Yeah. I just say the radio business. So for years, you know, I've been doing this a long time. And, you know, I just, I don't know, maybe I'm self-conscious, but... I have had the experience when I've said I'm a broadcaster or I work in radio. Very often, my experience has been that's all we want to, that's all they want to talk about. Or they want a Howard Stern or, you know, they have a, a, it's always about, and I, and I learned early on that if I say I'm in sales, <laughs> it just stops. Like there's no follow up. Mm-hmm. So I said this to Rachel. She's like, why? And I go, yeah, I just say, you know, I just somebody asked me, so what's your business? I, I, I say I'm in sales. But recently, since I've been down here, I've been joined up with three different groups. And I said to her the other day, I gave myself a promotion. Oh, good. <laughs> she said, what? I said, this guy asked me, what business are you in? This is two days ago. I go, I'm a sales consultant. Oh, nice. <laughs> and, uh, and I said, it was funny because they just eyes glazed. No one, no one ever follows up with that. They just go, oh, okay, mm-hmm. that's cool. Because yeah. it's not like what business or what, you know, what uh-huh. is it? What are you? But I said to her, I was very proud of myself. I said, I'm now a sales consultant. I mean, in a way, it's sort of true. I sell advertising and mm-hmm. sure I consult do. on it. But uh, mm-hmm. I don't know. It's just one of those stupid, silly things that I find amusing because I don't, you know, I, I love spending time with, you know, people finding out about where they're from and their golf experiences. But, you know, I find for the most part, especially as we've gotten older, Guys aren't in. Most of the guys I've played with are retired. I think I'm the only one. No, the the young couple, the younger couple I played with from Saskatchewan, they were still working. In fact, the woman I played with the other day uh, works for the Saskatchewan Tourism Board, which I thought was kind of cool. So she's down in California. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, she they <laughs> dude they drove down. Yeah, of course they drove. But they, they drive here the same way that you would drive to Florida. No, hey, P- listen, I met people the other day in the parking lot that. 
they saw my Ontario license plate and asked me where I was from. They had driven down from Thunder Bay. Jesus. You know, it take, where I am in Florida, it takes longer to drive from Toronto to Thunder Bay than it does from Toronto to where I am in Florida. <laughs> it's crazy. And what is Thunder Bay? Yeah. Like a 17, 18 hour drive, right? Oh, whatever. Toronto is in double it. No, wow. no. It's, it's 18 hours from Toronto to Panama City Beach. Oh, okay. So from Thunder Bay, it would be over 30. It would have to be crazy anyway the the age of people i'm playing with other than the couple from saskatchewan are all retired so they don't want they're not really interested in discussing their business it seems and it came up the other day with these two guys i was playing with from chicago and michigan just in we were waiting on the tee and one guy said what are you doing down here and i said well i'm still working and he said what do you what do you do i said i'm a sales consultant (laughs) <laughs> so I've, you know, the whole thing was I was very Costanza-like. I said, oh, yeah, I'm a sales consultant. And I was ready to, you know, to talk about, you know, the salespeople I work with, which is basically just me. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Well, maybe that's why people don't ask me a lot of questions, because I always ask them a lot of questions. Right. And I think, again, I told you on the show the other day, my brother-in-law was laughing at me because the guys we played with, I was asking them so many, so many questions, especially the guy from Kansas and Nebraska, all about those states and what they're like and everything. But, uh, yeah, um, I've told everyone that I've played with down here, it would be four or five guys now that I'm in the radio business and there's, there hasn't been one follow-up question. (laughs) Well, you know, because maybe times have changed, you know, like when back in the, you know, the 90s and the 2000s, when I'd be down here, maybe more people were interested on, you know, Stern was at his, you know, the height. And I I just what happened was I just got tired of talking about part of it was Stern. You know, there was a time when Mm -hmm. if you said I used to say to people, I'm in radio and and if if I was down here, their touch point for radio was Stern. Mm-hmm. And also, I'm like you. I want to. I, I was. I asked. You know. I, I found out quite a bit about these two people. Plus, with me, I don't know how to say this. Like, there's this added thing where I might be, you know, maybe the one of the best golfers most people who joined up with have ever played with. So I get a lot of. I don't know. I get a lot of golf stuff. You know. Right. Uh, sure. You know what I mean? Like I get like. You know, it's it's hard to explain. Like when I join up with somebody in the first tee, you know, they assume that, you know, most golfers are like them. And within a couple holes, they can see that I'm not. So that becomes and I don't mind that. I like talking about golf with people and they ask me questions. And right. I, I did say to this, the guys the other day that I work you know, around, I didn't say I do a golf podcast, but I said I'm involved in the golf business. I work with Club Link. They knew who that was. And. You know, and I, I like those conversations. Um, Adam Adam Rodness is one of our guests. He's standing by. We're waiting for Stu Stone. So, Adam, just uh, mute your mic for a second, and as soon as Stu joins us, we will uh, get Adam on. The, when I'm out there, the only golf questions I get, people look at me and say, have you thought of lessons? <laughs> I was kidding. Are they wondering, have you, is this really the game for you? Yeah. Now, you have a golf club in your hand, but what is the game you're playing? <laughs> anyway, Rachel just thought that was ridiculous. I'm like, well, no, I, I just I do it so that there's no other conversations about what I do for a living. And I'll be honest with you. Sometimes when I say that I'm in the radio, but I hold my breath a bit because I don't want to answer a lot of questions about it for whatever reason. Again, I'm more interested in finding out what people 
I'm with are all about and where are they from? Yeah, I met, I told you I met Clay from West Virginia. He was a rodeo star. <laughs> that was interesting. Met a guy in the oil business from Minnesota. Retired guy from Kansas. Yeah, they all have their own little stories to tell. The guy, hey, Howard, the guy from Kansas, when he got here, he loves oysters so much, but now they're like 15, 16 bucks a dozen in a restaurant, right? Like, it's ridiculous mm-hmm. for a dozen oysters. He went to the seafood place and bought a 35-pound bag because he had a freezer, big freezer where he's staying, and he shucks them himself. <laughs> wow. He says he eats 20 and 30 at a time. Nice. Mm. Yeah, the prices here are, uh, and again, I'm in a... I'm not, I'm not in the part of the community that's very expensive, but I'm right next to it. And, of course, the little, little, little town we're in is a pretty expensive place. Well, but, you love oysters. I love oysters. But to me, again, there's a tipping point with yeah. them where they get to a price where, you know what? I love them, but not that much. Like no, exactly. I'm, like over $20 Canadian for a dozen oysters? I don't think so. You know? I mean, this experience has been different than... Than any I've I've been through. I got to be honest with you. I mean, you know, doing the show down here and being able to do our jobs and stay in touch, and you know, it's been great. But it's not like maybe you've had a different experience. To me, it's not like having been so much on holidays. Like when we went to L.A., that was like we're you know traveling and such. But we haven't eaten out that much. I don't know about you guys, but it's and it's partly because of the price. It, you know, we've been having dinners here and. You know, shopping at Ralph's and Trader Joe's and all that stuff. And, and, you know, we haven't really, we've eaten out a couple times a week, but that's it. As opposed to when you're yeah. on holiday or, you know, if you were staying in a hotel, it would be a different proposition. Well, I've been here two and a half weeks. We've only eaten out once. Although with the women. Right. Me and my brother-in-law after golf have sat on the Hooters deck and yeah, had a, that's had a beer and shared something <laughs> i'm surprised that doll and uh and clyde's wife didn't want to go to uh, hooters all right we've got uh, Stu and adam here very exciting very exciting stuff now that uh, the boys have gathered mm-hmm. yes howard our guests today are brought to you by gig sky the only worldwide mobile data service with affordable rates in over 190 countries download the app today for android or ios okay and enter the code hf2022 for five bucks off your first plan or visit geeksguy.com for more information mm-hmm. yeah man uh Stu stone uh came to us years ago he was uh promoting a a cool video called uh i'm gonna I'm sorry i'm gonna screw it up uh, rolling with saget was that what it was called and uh, so Stu's been, uh, Stu's been a friend of the show for a while. Adam Rodness apparently has a connection to us that, that because we're 127 fucking years old, we can't remember. Uh, but uh, we're going to find out from Five Foot Seven Films, uh, the guys that made uh, Faking a Murderer and have just finished wrapping a new uh, film. Uh, please welcome Stu Stone and Adam Rodness to this program. Finally, boys. Hello, fellas. Hey, boys. Hello, hello, hello. Look at you two boys. How are you doing, Stewie? Very good to see you guys, as always. And uh, it's very nice that I was offered a plus one today, and I was able to bring my brother-in-law, Adam, who is... Uh, he, it's ironic, because uh, you mentioned the, the Rolling with Saget video and all that stuff. That's how I first met you guys. Yeah. Adam was actually working 
as a, I believe, is an intern for your. Well, hold show. on, wait, wait. Let's 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 actually back it up. You guys don't remember me at all. Like, I didn't leave a lasting impression at you whatsoever. Wait, okay. What year? What year are we? Yeah, talking? what year are we talking about? <laughs> Man, okay. Well, uh, here, five or four. It must have been an 0504. One of yeah, it could have at, been at that the season. mix. At at the mix, ninety nine point nine. Here's what happened. So I was a bar mitzvah DJ, <laughs> and at, at at one of these parties, Mr. Howard Glassman came up to me and said, "You know, you did a good job up there, kid. I also do some hosting myself." And I said, "Oh yeah, what do you do?" And you said, "Well, I do this radio show." And I said, "What was the show?" So no, we do a little thing called Humble and Fred. And I'm like, oh my God, like I know I love Humble and Fred. That's incredible. So you paid me that respect. And then you offered for me to come in and intern on the show. Mm. And I'm like, I, yes, absolutely. At the time, I was actually going to school for radio and television broadcasting. So I'm like, this would be an incredible way to enter the, the realm. To be fair, though, uh, Howard does do a lot of recruiting at bar mitzvahs. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's not. That wasn't my first so, bar mitzvah recruit. <laughs> So when Howard Howard said, uh, we do this little thing called Humble and Fred, did you look at him and say, why the fuck did you guys go to the mix? (laughs) That's right. What are you doing at 99.9? Well, that's yeah. At that point, Mix ninety nine nine was like that. Oh, was, yeah. that was it. Hey, that listen, we like thought the, we thought it was going to be it too. <laughs> so you came but, in. Uh, how long? How long were you? Because I'll tell you what, Adam. To be fair, that was a pretty tumultuous time in our I'm career. Sure, yes. uh, how long were you with us there? I was probably there for maybe like a month or so during my schooling, and then I said, you know, I have some famous, you know, a famous friend. Um, this guy he Jamie. He was he wasn't my brother-in-law yet. At that and point. I wasn't talking about Stu at the point either. I was talking about Jamie Kennedy, uh, oh. and he was a, a comedian. And I'm like, they have they're they're in town, and you know they have this new song called "Rolling with Saget," which is about Bob Saget. Do you mind if I bring them in? They said you guys said if you guys could bring in Jamie Kennedy to our studio, you could do whatever you want, and you let me read the weather. And I was like, yes, I wow. made it. So, I, it's, so it's funny. My whole career sort of started with that. You guys playing that song, and this guy got to read the weather. <laughs> you know, it, it's a great story, Adam. And I, I got to, I apologize. Like it's been a long time since then. Howie's done a lot of weed. For, for just <laughs> hasn't been to a bar mitzvah since. Haven't been to a bar mitzvah or a bat mitzvah. Uh, in my daughter's case, but uh, what it's so great to see you guys again. And, and Adam, I do recall now that you've told the story, mm-hmm. vaguely recall too. that you got us Stu and Jamie, and that's yes. how it started. Our associated started with that song. But yes. remember, we had interns come and go over the course of 35 years, a month on our show. You did make an impression because look at you're yeah. here. Um, <laughs> and, and, and let's just talk a little bit about you, though, like Adam and Stu. You, you, how did you two get together? And then tell us a little bit about your film company. And there's a great I want to hear the story about um, not only faking a murderer, but also how your equipment got stolen, etc. Well, um, I mean, we could we could start at the beginning. I, you know, I was I was a uh, um, uh, an actor that moved out to Los Angeles. And at the time, Stu was out there for previous years before. Um, I think he moved out there when he was about 16 years old. So him and I met in a poker game at a uh, mutual friend's house. And he's like, oh, you want to be a star? And I'm like, yeah, sure. 
So come out to LA and we'll have a good time. And you, you want to be a star do. kid. That's right. Yeah. Have, you, have you read the weather on the humble and Fred yeah. show? Has that ever <laughs> happened? Yeah. I, like, I like the twinkle in your eye, kid. That's right. So I say, I say, I say, yes, 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 I do. And I went down to Los Angeles and we, uh, ended up, you know, staying together and I found a place and he was running away from an ex-girlfriend and hid at my house and we just became, you know, very close friends. Um, and then I returned back to Toronto. I did some school stuff. I, you know, did some acting stuff. And, and started and dating my sister. That's I started dating his sister. Um, oh, that's awkward. Stu, yeah, Stu, Stu, Stu had this, this little show called uh, Jamie Kennedy's Blowing Up featuring Stu Stone on MTV. And uh, and they brought down uh, his sister Dina and their mother Trudy, and Dina and I became very close friends, and then we became a bit more than close friends, and now uh, we've uh, married one another. We have two beautiful children, um, and Stu and I decided to uh, you know to keep it all in the family and start this this production but, company. But he also glossed over the fact that like that the relationship with my sister was like a secret relationship that went well, on. Well, it was a secret from you, yeah. Yes. Everyone else. Yeah. yeah. Well, I was going to touch on that because yeah. you know what is that like when he's your buddy and you it know was another, I was you know a side to him and then all of a sudden you realize he's act he's being intimate with your sister. That's got to be terrible. weird. Was exactly. Terrible. The bar mitzvah <laughs> DJ is stooping my sister. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I was very upset about it. And I think it's one of those instances. Listen, it's all worked out in the end now. So it's like, you know. I think he's really happy this happened now because now he's lost his career. At the time, I was very upset. And it's one of those things when you tell somebody, don't do something, they do it. So Mm -hmm. I would tell my sister, you cannot date this guy. And then she would like that. That's what happened. But 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 why, Stu? Why would you say you can't? What was it about him that you didn't want? Because I knew him. Okay, exactly. <laughs> he, was in, he was in he was in Los Angeles with us. And I saw his behavior. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. You know what he's like. You were he was yeah. you were hanging out together. Listen, the last thing listen, you need was, is Adam Rodness, bar mitzvah boy. <laughs> exactly. I was just trying to keep up to Stu and his friends. I'm like, this is how you guys act. I'll keep up. I'll play okay. straight. Wow. Sure. But yeah. but fast forward, you got it's it's all in the family, as you say. You've got a couple of kids, and uh, the film the film the company is it five foot seven films or five I'm, seven. Five seven films before five, seven. Both five seven. Right. And um That's a lot of uh, Jewish people are. Are uh, yeah, well, I'm from Moose Jaw, so I'm a rare, you know, tall exactly. Hebrew. You're you're an anomaly. You're like <laughs> so, I'm like five foot eleven is like an Amazon Hebrew. That's what I'm saying. You're the Hebrew school center. <laughs> um but starting a film company isn't easy, even though Stu uh, had been around the business and had you know, a lot of experience, but it's not an easy thing to do. And it's not an easy thing to do from Canada. Um was that a big decision for you guys to get together and say, hey, let's try this? We've got some yeah. experience. I'm assuming you have some backing, but I don't know. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I, you know, I, I actually got my my real producing uh, feet wet when I, I was working in the music industry, um, producing music videos for, you know, the, the world's top artists. I got in with an amazing couple, few directors and production companies, and they hired me to travel around the world. And I found myself producing videos for usher and the black eyed peas and drake and eminem and um that really kind of propelled me into working with you know fast turnarounds and and budgets and celebrities 
And Stu and I were always very creative with one another. And we would always used to write these spec scripts and, you know, shoot short films and, and do all, all, all sorts of stuff just to kind of propel our creativity. And we started pitching shows just as Stu and Adam when I was, original, was 24. The original, the original name of our company when we first got together was That's My Sister Production. <laughs> 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 I'm not even joking. Um, that really was it. That's like, funny. And then this is and this is the best story. So then, so so I call Stu one time, and I'm like, "Hey, come into Toronto, come visit for a couple of weeks, and I set up some meetings for us. We're going to go and meet with a couple of distributors." So we call a cold call a bunch of companies, get a couple of meetings. We land this one great meeting, um, this company called Breakthrough, and we walk in and we have the show idea about kid magicians called the Thrillusionists. And it's like, it's David Blaine, it's Chris Angel, but it's these three kids. And they're like, oh, incredible. So they sign us up to a development deal. We go back out to LA and we shoot what's called a sizzle reel to you know, present the series to the network. We come back and we have this another meeting and the CFO pops in and he goes, hey, so Stu, you could direct? And Stu's like, well, yeah. And they're like, and Adam, you could produce. And I'm like, well, yeah. And will you guys co-write stuff? We're like, absolutely. Great. Go make two movies. And Stu and I look at each other like, sorry, what? And they gave us the money to go and make two horror movies, which we've never written before. We never made a movie at this point. And they distilled all of their energy into two bright-eyed, two-ish, five-foot-seven kids. Um, and we're lucky they did, because that was what got us our first kind of crack in the movie industry. And we made was- these movies for like a quarter million dollars each. And uh, it turned out to be these films, The Haunted House on Kirby Road and, and this movie, Scarecrows. And that was our first crack at, at, at the film business. And that, and that was one of the uh, first in a series of terrible decisions that company made. <laughs> but I'm, 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 but just getting back, Adam, to your story. When you went back in there, what happened to the baby David Blaine show or whatever? Oh, that so they that was on CBC. Yeah, but they they couldn't sell it, so we we uh, they had a part time selling it. So Stu and I, I mean, we we when we believe in a project, we we take it all the way. Um, if a company says you know you got pass pass pass, then we'd find you know alternative routes, and I were able to go to the Banff Film Festival, and I did more meetings there, um, and came back, and CBC Kids was interested, and they brought us into their their building we had more meetings and then they offered us to do his first season of the series okay so you got that see you got that series done yeah series was done yeah and what came of the horror movies are you still selling those to people yeah i mean uh you know the haunted house on kirby road has now made its way around the world it's on fox asia it's on super channel in canada it's on Fantastic. red box in the u.s it's on it's it's actually everywhere. funny. it's funny because there actually like is a real street kirby road in like north of toronto and there is like this alleged haunted house on that street our film just happens to be called you know <laughs> it is sort of based on that i guess but people apparently are like driving on this street, like showing up at this house from seeing the movie, like honking their horn and, you know, chanting freedom. And uh, they are. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you know what I'm saying? It's like, yes. it's just like there's some Canadiana in the, in, in, in that story. And then on then our Scarecrows movie, uh, that one did really well for us. There, there, we ended up getting a lot of press and publicity from it because kids, you know, were watching the movie 
and they were like go- going into cornfields and like smoking weed and and someone somehow it got back to us and then we turned it into a news story and that's kind of a good segue into what happened to us on our latest movie which was called Vandits and uh it's a, it's like a heist movie that we shot in Winnipeg about these guys that rob a bingo hall on Christmas Eve because they want to steal the money and buy bitcoin that's the plot fantastic as as one would as one would but you're skipping over faking a murderer which we've talked about um and we got it it's a linear discussion uh, no it it is and been faking a murderer by the way for you folks it's on amazon prime yeah it's everywhere it's on rogers it's on demand it's uh it's everywhere but i don't want to gloss over the fact adam and, and Stu, that you know in this world getting somebody somebody saying yes is so important Somebody's saying, hey, guys, why don't you produce and direct a movie? Because what somebody's saying, one person saying yes gets a bunch of other people to go, well, somebody said yes. Maybe I'll say yes, too. Isn't that a a huge part of that business? Somebody has to trust that you can deliver. Adam said something about doing quick turnaround videos, and Stu's got this experience. It's hard to get somebody to say yes the first time, but does, does it get easier after that? I think that when you, uh, I mean, it's a great question. And I think it all comes down to, I mean, you're in sales, right? You're telling a story. You're selling a bottle of wine. No one's drinking the wine because what's in the bottle. They're selling the story of how the the wine was made. Mm -hmm. Stu and I have this story about, we tell the story. I married a sister, this and that. We have this camaraderie. They could see that we're passionate. Um, we have a plethora of ideas and that's the, the, that's the main thing. You're going into this business. You can't walk in with one or two, two ideas. They're going to say, what else do you got? Well, we're not mm-hmm. looking for horror. What's, what do you got in the family genre? We're not looking for family. Mm-hmm. What do you got in the, the stoner genre? You know, it's like, it's, it's about having that library of content, whether they're scripts or just ideas or, you know, what part of development they're at. Um, but yeah, that yes is like the covenant, you know, gate to open up a future. And once that's why, you know, Stu and I were both actors, and when we first went out to make these movies, you hit that on the on, on the nail there, Howard. You said, um, you know, people want to see what you could deliver. Mm-hmm. So we said, you know, let's just write these things. Let's put all of our energy into them. Stu, you direct them. I'll produce them. We'll co-write. We'll make a fucking great movie, and people will see what we can do at this budget level. Yeah. Then once we delivered that, then we'll go and double the budget. Then we'll go and double the budget. And so, and, and we've been in business for six years and that's exactly the trajectory that we've been taking and it's been successful. So it's been finding those new stories, having believe people want to work with us and, you know, you would take on a project that's a year or two of your lives. You're dedicating that. Uh, yeah, to, yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, what strikes me about filmmaking and I've heard Jason Bateman talk about this on smart list. The odd time. I mean, his involvement with Amazon uh, with um, Ozark Somebody says, yes, you get the money, but now you have to actually make the movie. And the yeah. undertaking that making a movie is, is just like, you know, uh, Howard and I, a couple of, you know, putting a radio show on is nothing. But I mean, and then television is a certain dimension, but filmmaking, it's like, where do you begin with that? It's just crazy. It really is crazy. And people don't realize it. We're in the midst of post-production right now. And like mm-hmm. at our level, we wear like every hat. So it's like we're doing everything. Yeah. It, mm-hmm. It's wild, but I just want to touch upon something that Adam said that, you know, this is an industry in in life. No is the most common thing you're going to hear about. Yeah, no is so easy. Mm-hmm. No, and, and, you know, I grew up and as an actor, like he said, I heard no seven billion times. It's like 
you got to create your own yes. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what we did. We took our future in our own hands and we were like, you know what? Let's create our own yes. Make it undeniable. They have to say yes. You know, well, guys, in my sales seminar as a sales consultant, <laughs> um, I have a program called Pathways to Yes. And, and really, no is just the beginning. I'm so full of shit. By the way, before I forget, you guys will fucking freak out. You know, I haven't done much acting. I've been like the DJ or the MC on Degrassi and a couple other things. But a few years ago, uh, myself and a radio guy named John Gallagher were cast in a cult horror movie. We were in the movie for one day. We were we played this. We played MCs of a of a thing. When I tell you the name, you're going to lose your minds. And then we were cut out of the movie. But I'm still. It's still on my IMDb. It's Repo the Genetic Opera. Oh, really? Yeah, brothers. Like I was yeah, that's on. A good credit. It was a great credit. <laughs> Paul Servino, uh, Paris Hilton, and me and John Gallagher. Uh, I, of course, uh, I only do one every fifteen to twenty years. Um, right. Let's talk about. <laughs> let's talk a little bit about your latest film and how you had your shit stolen. Yes. Yeah. Well, I mean, this is a, I'll, I'll, I'll set it up here, soon. you can you can you can take it away. But the movie's called Van. It's as Stu alluded to. Um, it's about these four stoner idiots of a bright idea to knock over a senior citizen's bingo hall on Christmas Eve. And with those winnings, they're going to cash in and get some sweet, sweet Bitcoin. Uh, we ended up somehow getting the most incredible cast in the world. Um, we have uh, uh, Ricky from the Trailer Park Boys, Rob Wells. We have uh, Jan Arden, acclaimed wow. fame, superstar, Canadian superstar singer. Uh, we have Enrico Colantoni. Um, He's been in everything, including including Galaxy Quest, which is the the most incredible film. He's so good in Uh, that. Jesse Camacho, who's uh, one of the stars of the new Netflix series Lock and Key, and he was the star of Less Than Kind on HBO for a long time with Maury Chaykin. Uh, And Tony Napo, who is just a legend in himself. Uh, He's been in, again... And he also plays the killer in faking a murder. Wow. Um, so we, we, we ended up getting all these people to commit and come out and work for nothing on this movie because the script was just so ridiculous and they just wanted to be a part of it. And we fly them all in from all ports, parts of the country because we had to shoot in Winnipeg. Where it's for the tax credit. Every day for the tax credit. Yeah. And uh, we get, you know, we have, we're, Stu and I are there for three weeks already before we start filming. And then we'll take it away, Stu. So I set it up. So we get there the day before. Yeah, so we get there to come and shoot, and we get there, and Adam's like, uh, you know, I'm outside having my morning coffee, we'll call it. And uh, Adam comes outside. (laughs) Very smoky, uh, that coffee. Just smoky coffee. Yeah, that's right. Adam, I borrowed it from Howard. Just set Uh, the tone for the day. Exactly. Adam comes out, and he says, uh, yeah, we're not going to be able to shoot. And I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, we're not going to be able to shoot. I'm like, this is, it's not funny. He's like, well, look. And he like points to the parking spot where like our truck was. <laughs> and it's not there. And I'm like, what's going on? He's like, the truck got stolen. I'm like, what are you talking about? Someone came the night before wherever the truck was and stole the truck that had all of our gear in it before we were supposed to shoot the film. So all the equipment, all the lighting equipment, the grip equipment, you know, all the stuff that you need to make a movie, except for the camera, which was not in the truck. They stole all of it. So, yeah, that was not a good way to start the thing. And the irony of a heist film getting heisted wasn't lost on us. And uh, the fact that we had some previous experience, like I said, with the cornfield and scarecrows and the Kirby Road guy and 
you know, you take lemons and you make lemonade. And so we were like, well, first we were like, we got to call the police. And then our second thought was like, we got to call the press. <laughs> so we called the local news and was like, hey, our, we're, and we're a film company and our stuff got stolen. And like the story got big and big and big. And it ended up getting all this attention. And I guess so much so that the guys who stole the stuff, like couldn't even get rid of the stuff because everybody knew, everybody knew about the stolen movie equipment. Now here, here's the best part. So now we're getting calls from like people coming out of the woodwork being like, I have your stuff. It's like Winnipeg, like uh, it was like we've got your stuff. <laughs> it was like, it's fucking Winnipeg mafia. So they're man. trying to black. Yeah, they're trying to blackmail us. Yeah, that's for get our like, gear back. Yes, which was insane. And there's like not one or two, but like three or four or five people did this. And they all have so now. Now so the what, OPP is getting called in. Now they're like hunting down these guys, and you know the people are getting arrested. And meanwhile, like we still need to shoot tomorrow because we don't have more money to, to push a day. That's going to cost so much money. Luckily, I we have there's a huge outpour of people from the film community, both from Toronto, Manitoba, saying, "Listen, guys, this is crazy. You guys, again, you guys got the yes. You have this cast right. you're making a movie, and now you're fucked. You don't have gear. We'll send you whatever you need." Nice. So, wh- what happened ultimately? Nice. What happened to your gear ultimately? We never got Ulti- it back. No, we eh? never got it back. They did not insured. It. It was insured. Oh, okay. Um, it, we, uh, you know, it was insured, which means that we have to pay the deductible, um, mm-hmm. which was another fancy cost that was thrown oh, to us. Our gear that we owned, it's like gear that we were going to use. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What's the company? The company in Toronto is like Vistec, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Vistec is our company. This, the company that saved our asses was, was William F. White's. And mm-hmm. they are like the, the country's largest supplier for, for film uh, equipment. And they really came right. and helped us and gave us whatever we needed to, to make this thing they happen. They actually did find the truck and this stuff after we had already came and went. So mm. they, whoever stole the stuff abandoned the truck. Eventually they found it in the ditch or whatever. <laughs> so uh, uh, what stage? So that movie is called uh, Bandits. 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 And where where is where's that now? Where when how soon? I know you guys said you're in post production, which is That's probably the, being edited right now. It's the most so tedious like, part. For about three years in between radio gigs, Adam, I produced uh, and directed corporate videos. I know that's a small, but the the, the post production part of that world is so tedious, especially when you need client <laughs> approval. That I remember being in edit suites for hours, going, "What am I? What am I? Why aren't I telling fart jokes? Why am I doing this? This is <laughs> this is so much like work." I I mean, I, and then you said about, you know, you, we talk about the pathways to yes. In that business, getting a client is like the greatest day. And then the next day, you have to start servicing that project. And it's like, Jesus. Yeah, well, yeah. you know, any movie at, of any level, when I see the credits at the end, like, I mean, where do you begin hiring people for all those jobs? Like, it's yeah. a lot of jobs. I mean, you have, where do you get the you time got, to be? Where do you get the time to do that and be creative and write stuff and fix it's stuff? A, it's, and, it's a lot. So we take, yeah. you know, when we get the yes it's like all right now it's and you're right okay well now you have to deliver yeah okay Mm -hmm. you sold your song and dance people believe you okay now fucking (laughs) go make a movie so you got to go and find the right crew the right camera guy the right grip guy you know the right team the right sound guy who's going to work for the budget because he's going to start negotiating more money which you don't have and it just becomes insanity Mm-hmm. Then you got to find the locations and the people and during COVID and who, but wants to be in, in the place or out of the place. You got to only be here for certain hours. We need it for 15 hours. It's like, it's just, 
it's again, it's just insanity. Yeah. But mm-hmm. we work at a pace where we thrive off of that for some odd, crazy reason. And with the experience that we came to this project over the past five years of doing our own projects on our, on, you know, separately, we have a, a skill set that really knows how to, you know, manage this type of stress. Although it does get overwhelming, you still have a great team behind you and, you know, and you manage to pull it off. And ever after every movie we shoot, we're like, how the fuck did we do that? <laughs> I don't right. think it ever gets easier. You just yeah. kind of get must. like, you mm-hmm. just get kind of better at dealing with the stress, but it's always the same shit. Yeah, but also there's like good stress. You know, this is good stress. All right. Sure. Like your our stress is like we're shooting a movie. So it's like we're working. Now, yeah. Great. I, I'm, I'm happy to have these problems. Well, you know, it's, it's funny because Fred brought something up yesterday that I had said to him over the years and. You know, that we were really lucky. There's only a few jobs like we had in major market radio in North America. And and, and very few people get to have it. Now, it was stressful. We had a lot of pressure on us. We were responsible for millions of dollars in advertising. But it was a pretty fun job. You know, we we had a good time doing it. But it doesn't make it any less stressful. And I always think that a lot of people on the outside would look at our jobs and your jobs and think, oh, this is great. You can get up in the morning, have a coffee, smoke some drunk, you know, and then do your show. But it still has an element of deliverables and you have to be responsible and mm-hmm. especially well, you know when, why. and you guys are yeah. using other people's money and mm-hmm. yeah i mean i think like when people see entertainment it's like fluff to them yeah right it's like oh you just turn on the tv and it's there yeah yep. they don't see the years of even, of, even the of, worst of prepping you know even the worst crazy. movie is so, even the worst movie you've ever seen is yes. somebody's hardest work they've ever done you know it's funny you say that because i remember a famous i can't remember the the person who said it but it was a famous person who said even the worst movie has credits with dozens of people that invested all their time in and and what their point was it may be a bad movie but it's still better than some shit you could do <laughs> you know yeah. so how do you think it feels so that's then we go on imdb and some you know never go on imdb yeah. but they read the ratings and someone just goes Meh. <laughs> like, oh, that's right. Oh, thanks. That's meh. That's what we get for three years of work is just fucking meh. You know, yeah. that's the type of shit. It's we'll really funny. With, but we'll run with meh. You know, people put like quotes on their posters. Like mm-hmm. we'll put like meh. Yeah, exactly. Freddie, we'll, we'll use it. Freddie, what were you going to say here? No, I just, I, again, I always get caught up in the logistical nightmare that it would be because even you talk about COVID, like everything's in line. We're ready to go today. And then some COVID thing oh pops God. up and it. Yeah, well, you know everything the, to a halt or whatever. I mean, the uh, big I, shit of it I, was, I, don't know, I don't know if I could do it personally. Yeah, it's a lot of the time. Big shit man. Of it was testing because you know the yeah. testing regiments came into force. Yeah, and oh, like, yeah. it's like now you have to test. By the way, you want to go make this movie? You've raised all the money. You need an extra twenty percent to go and test everybody now three times a week. You know how much yeah. testing was to come bring out that nurse and yeah. the tests and it's, it was a lot of money. So it was it was scary. Okay, let's segue here if we can a little uh, bit of our friend uh, Jamie Kennedy and Stu Stone. Let me show him some affection. Then he walked up, wound up, cold clock decked him. Started screaming for the bitch to respect him. Next thing you know we're in the VIP section. Who runs deep like this you wanna brag it? Who you with? Man. I'm rolling with Sag. When uh, the news came that uh, Saget had passed away, uh, immediately we thought of Stu, and we played the song, and I remember going to watch the video again and how much fun it was, and just how it's 
It's going to sound weird to say this. Just how it stood up. I, I mean, it's still it's still funny and it's still cool. And but uh, maybe give the audience who don't know the story as well, Stu and Adam. Uh, how this all came to be, and then maybe, Stu, you can talk a little bit. I know you're probably uh, tired of it, but maybe you can talk a little bit about your perspective on uh, what it was like working with then, knowing Bob Saget. Yeah, uh, I mean, first off, just shocked by the news of his passing. It was unbelievably shocking news. Uh, he's a healthy guy, nice guy. It wasn't like a drug guy. Mm-hmm. This was like, what the hell happened? And we can get into that after. But I mean, on a positive note, you know, it's funny. I mean, think about how important Bob Saget is to my career. You know, I joke, but like you guys played that song. It was a huge thing for me. Bob Saget's not on that song. You probably don't give it as much attention as you did. Bob Saget was such a huge piece of the puzzle for myself and Jamie Kennedy as we were trying to launch this show blowing up. And we were trying to do this white rapper kind of gimmick. And we were trying to get a legitimate rapper to get on a song with us. And we reached out to like Jay-Z and Nas and all these big rappers. And nobody would do a song with us. And so I was just going through Jamie's phone book. And I was like, there's got to be somebody that you know that will get on a song with us. And I made it to the bees in his phone and got to Bob Saget. And I'm like, what about Bob Saget? He's like, man, maybe. And we called Bob and he was like, sure, where do you need me to be? And... You know, the first time I ever met Bob Saget was in a recording studio where Jamie didn't even show up. And it was just me and Bob and an, uh, an, an, uh, an engineer that didn't speak English. And I had to sort of teach Bob how to rap uh, the song, which he did such a great job on. And we ended up getting, you know, this Rolling With Saget song ended up becoming a huge, like, viral sensation, which led to an MTV series, which Adam came to Los Angeles to work on. So much, you know, Adam's in the video, in the, uh, Rolling With Saget video also. That's how far back he goes. And, uh, you know, Bob ended up sort of adopting the song as his theme song. And, it, you know, every time he went on stage, he would play that song. He had his Comedy Central roast. They played the song. You know, George Lucas is in the music video. We've talked about it in previous, you know, visits on, on your show. And, you know, Bob is just, uh, it's hard, man. He was so cool, man. He was so cool. Just being, you don't realize what kind of a big celebrity, you know, I've been around celebrities. You guys have been around celebrities, but you don't realize how big of a celebrity Bob Saget is until you're mm-hmm. with him. I mean, this guy was, if you think about like a stretch of the 90s, you know, he had Full House and America's Funny Home Videos, mm-hmm. two of the top shows on television. He's the star. You know, people grew up on this guy. So, you know, when you go out with Bob Saget, everybody's rubbernecking. And he was so funny uh, with everybody, you know, and he, also his sense of humor was so filthy. Yeah. You know, the opposite of what you saw on television. He was uh, just so funny, man. It's, it's a real shame. Uh, you hear a lot of people talk about how he's the nicest guy. And, you know, like when people pass away, everybody's like, oh, he was the nicest. He was the greatest. But like Bob really was like so cool. You know, I have my nephew had a bar mitzvah. I said, hey, Bob, can you send a video? He sent me like a 20 minute. Video. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. By the way, did did Adam bar, did Adam DJ that bar mitzvah? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Uh, no, no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we, couldn't, we couldn't afford him. Uh, Bob, uh, you know, even even faking a murder. You know, Bob reached out to me. I'm so proud of you faking a murder. Like he was just so encouraging. 
And we actually had him signed on to be a part of one of our projects. We were we wrote this talking dog movie called Sherlock Bones, Dog Detective. <laughs> <laughs> and Bob agreed to do the he was going to be the voice of the dog. Jesus. You know, he, was, he was just so giving of his time and so cool. And it's just such a shame, man. It really makes me sad to think about that he's gone because it's like you don't you just you don't think that someone's going to go, yeah. you know, especially you know, very uh, young too. a few mornings after he died. I was listening to Howard Stern and he was on about, you know, nobody had a bad word to say about this guy. And Stern sort of took it about himself. I got to find somebody, <laughs> something bad to say. about Bob Saget. It was, uh, it was pretty funny. Um, but Stu, I, you know, Fred and I haven't really discussed this much since it happened because we've been down here and then we just started doing shows again a couple of weeks ago. But I know you've been reading it, Fred, and, and I have mm-hmm. as well. What, what's first of it was shocking. He passed away seemingly for no real good reason, no heart attack, etc. And then some of the reports that have come up recently about like some blunt trauma uh multiple, multiple you yeah, know and, and no one can figure out why or has has that again i'm not i don't want to put you on the spot i don't want to dwell on this but i don't know if you've read anything about it but of it seems very strange yeah i have read an article in the toronto star recently and i've been looking online like everybody else and it's i see the same things you see it does not make sense it does not add up if a guy has broken orbital orbital bone yeah right above his eye yeah i know brain hemorrhaging on both sides of his head it looked like he the someone said it looked like he got thrown down like a flight of stairs and got hit by a car when he got to the bottom how did somebody discover his body and be like oh that's he just that's natural causes or you know or that's so he slipped how how would somebody have that type of injury and then sleep it off like be like ah it's nothing it's just a broken skull yeah. you know like just doesn't make sense something doesn't add up there and i'm not you know making a conspiracy theory i'm not saying it you know god forbid that something sinister happened there but well, have you talked to anybody like close to him or within yeah, the I mean, family I've, I've, circle and what's the deal like what are they saying i have i have i'm, I'm i still talk to his nephew and who is uh who, by the way, his uh, Bob's sister, who p- uh, passed away of a uh, terrible disease, Bob like raised his ne- his nephew as his own, and his his nephew Adam is a great guy. Um, you know, he says the same thing to that that we're saying. I mean, the family is now suing. I think they're suing. I don't know. It's 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 mm-hmm. a real mess. It's yeah. a real mess. You know what I read that uh, that his injuries, as you say, were commiserate with some kind of you know multiple blunt traumas. But there was a doctor in the article that I read that said this kind of skull fracture um, was almost like cracking an egg. Like it might have he might have fallen and then the, the 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 your skull sort of cracks like a you know it starts to expand. And that Bob wouldn't really have, he might have gotten confused or really wouldn't have understood. He might have, it might have rendered him unconscious or, you know, he fell in the bathtub or something. But you'd think some of those details, not that it matters. It's just shitty and yeah, sad. But, well, but A couple of them said it was consistent with falling like he, 20 or 30 feet. Yeah, I know. Like to pavement or something. Also, was there not blood if he fell in You wouldn't think so. Well, anyway, I didn't want to make that. No, I understand. Yeah. I'm sure somebody, I'm sure, listen, I'm sure there'll be answers uh, hopefully someday on that. But the main thing is that, you know, he is gone. All right. Well, listen, dude. It happened, it happened. Um, mm-hmm. Adam and uh, Stu, yes. uh, thank you guys very much. And, and, and guys, you know what? We, you're always welcome here. 
it's always great to catch up with Stu and Adam, you know, uh, is it is it kind of one of those things like inventing Anna where now on your resume you says you know was part of the Humble and Fred show did yeah, weather yes. on the Humble and Fred show actually it's uh, Humble it's Fred and Adam Fred. was the name of the show yes. mm-hmm. it's in big reg like the <laughs> as seen and heard before on the exactly Fred show. Oh, just, Fred but, and before show. we go before we go I just want to I don't know because if we're this my mother my mother's maiden name is Glassman. There's a Jody Glassman. Really? Who, their father was, was Phil, Philip Glassman, Adele Glassman. Any relation? I don't know if, I don't know if we're boots uh, well, here or not. I, I gotta, you know, well, that would be amazing. Our, all our family, strangely enough, is from Winnipeg. And my father, the Glassman side of the family, all, both of my grandparents came from Russia. Uh, you know, Russia. And, uh, but uh, I'm sure somewhere, you know, there's some glass people involved. Uh, you are there know. a lot of glass? Are there a lot of glassmans out there? Have you? No, been? no, no. I'm from Moose Jaw, dude. It was like <laughs> what you want Moose Jaw glassman. It was a Moose Jaw glassman. Yeah, that's that's Let's the just, movie. You, yeah, hey, fuckers, that's the movie you should make. The Prairie Jew. Come on. Thanks, <laughs> <laughs> soon on Gem. That's it. Let's that, just pretend. Let's just pretend that we're related. Um, thank you, Uncle Howard. Well, Adam, you're always <laughs> welcome, nephew. Yeah. I, I can't believe they've they've done Little Mosque on the Prairie. Why is there no Little Jew on the Prairie? Little Hebrew. Come on, let's pitch this to somebody. We have a meeting about it after this. Yes. All right, guys. Uh, well, we look. Stu, yeah, we're going to get Dan on here. Stu and Adam, thank you guys very much. Uh, Faking a Murderer is still available wherever you find these kind of movies. Uh, Amazon Prime, all over, uh, uh, you said Rogers and such. I hope we will talk to you again soon. Um, what a pleasure catching up with you, Adam. All the best. And Stu, uh, again, sorry for your loss. I say that because I know you were friends with him. And uh, thanks for uh, taking some time. Thanks, fellas. We love Good you to guys. See you guys. Fucking Thanks love you too, kids. Much. God damn Good it. To see hey. you guys. Look at those guys. Just sweet. Hey, everybody. This program brought to you by the Retirement Sherpa. Now, for many, many years on Wednesdays, our friend uh, Tim has been a part of this program. And uh, today he's. Uh, you know, he's en route. But as we all know, the retirement Sherpa is the kind of guide we all need when it comes to all these financial decisions in our lives. I just have a, a note here that uh, Tim sent me. He said, tonight we're, um, we're with some friends that referred to me over 20 years ago. And now I have now Sherpa 3. Sorry, let me just read it off my phone because I... I took a screen cap of it. It says, excited for you. How about this for the read? The people we are with tonight were referred to me over 20 years ago, and I now Sherpa three generations of their family. We've done many layers of financial planning over the years, especially as they were successful business owners as well. Now retired, we have created wealth tax effectively in RSPs, TFSAs, open accounts, hold codes, trust accounts, which produces the income they need. They did the hard work. In retirement. So there you go. Um, you know, that just gives you an example of the kind of support that you get with the retirement Sherpa. Uh, if you're looking for more information, go uh, tim.niblet or raymondjames.ca. And uh, we'll be checking in with the uh, Sherpa in a couple of weeks when we're back in Toronto. But uh, always great catching up with Tim. And that just gives you an example, Fred, of the kind of service and the kind of people that, you know, have come to uh, expect uh, and had this great experience with uh, the sh- like a lot of Hundy P's have as well. 
A wonderful story, Howard. A wonderful story. Do you have anyone left, dear son? Are you all caught yes, up? Yes, Bodog. Bodog, uh, whether you're a sports better, a horse racing fan, a poker or casino player, Bodog, your number one source of online gambling entertainment from their industry-leading odds, world-class sports book, and feature-rich poker room to their fully loaded casino and race book. They've been providing Canadian players with an unparalleled gaming experience since 1994. And again, go to Bodog. You can wager on all the big North American sports, including your Maple Leafs, who are collapsing, uh, your Raptors, Major League Baseball, which hopefully is coming soon. We shall see. Bodog. Very nice. Okay. And we got the Sherpa later. We'll uh, talk about Health Gauge. Um, yeah, man, that uh, odd. I don't know where it started coming out about Saget, but. Uh, I don't know, man. It just sounds like something else has gone on there because the kind of if you haven't if you're listening and you haven't read any of this stuff, it's pretty fascinating because. Well, I, I'm surprised nothing more has come out of it because you hear those stories. Obviously, it sounds like let's be honest, foul play, but they're just. There doesn't seem to be any movement on that. I know. It's foul play that doesn't make any sense. As he said, mm-hmm. you'd think well, the way they described his injuries, you know, the your your mm-hmm. the, the part around your eye, the just that right. ocular structure has been cracked. And, and then it wasn't like he had one fall and then, oops, he, he had a heart attack and died. He had multiple fractures. Yeah. I know. It's very strange. And and, it, and 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 again, the strange part is we heard those stories, but you would think it would it would build on that. There is now an investigation, mm-hmm. now, you know, uh, um, a video of somebody on that floor or whatever. But I, it, not hearing any of that, it just it's stalled at at all those disturbing stories. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, to switch gears briefly, you know, there's uh, where I am in the desert. There's a. We drove by it a couple of weeks ago or a week and a half ago, and it's this big, what's it, a sculpture of a, of a, it looks like a big bird, right? And we couldn't figure out what it was, Rachel and I. And then we've done some investigative reporting, and it's a roadrunner. There's roadrunners mm-hmm. everywhere around here. I've seen one. Rachel's seen one. But would you, would you mind coming over, sweetheart? Because I, I Rachel has learned uh, to imitate their, their sounds, you know, remember Dan, what? the road runner from Bugs Bunny? Yeah. Yeah, the road beep, runner. The coyotes after you. you. Road, road runner. runner. Mm-hmm. If it catches you, you're through. Mm-hmm. Well, hey, here, here, hang on, Fred. Here's Rachel Ann Hilton with her road runner impression. Well, it doesn't actually, it doesn't go meep meep. It doesn't make that sound, but it no. does go. <laughs> it does what, honey? Really? <laughs> that's it, that's it the does. real? It does. It goes. <laughs> Thank you, honey. That's Rachel Ann Hilton and her Roadrunner oh, impression. What, what, what's, so the, what's the official name of a Roadrunner? What is the actual bird called? There, it can't be a Rachel. What's, what's the Roadrunner? Oh, no, it is. You look up Roadrunner. It's they're actually called Roadrunners. Yeah, they, yeah. They do. Um, they do run like this. They do. They they sort of run bent over and. Uh, but I was only on, on the road. Only on the road. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other day on the first tee of this golf course, I'm just sort of getting ready to play and look over, and there's this roadrunner sitting there. In the, <laughs> it's fucking cool. It's cool. Oh, so you actually, you actually heard it do the, that? Yeah, it makes a little sort of a chortling sound. Hey, Dan, where do you uh, stand on Ontario uh, no longer requiring people to pay for their license stickers? Is this... 
you know, as you're, you know, left leaning, is this the kind of thing that, uh, you know, you can get behind the Ontario government or is this? Uh... Well, I'm, uh, I'm conflicted and it is my story here. I'm oh, is, is that your story? That's one of my two stories. Oh, okay. Well, sorry, pal. <laughs> Okay, yeah, well, let's, okay. let's get, get right to it. There right now, then. Yeah. Well, good lord. Oh, the, wait, do you want me to just start in right no, now? No, no. I'll give no, you the. the no, here comes the thing. Your big theme song of a guy with a hella big wang. The quintessential anchor man. His voice is nice and low. And around the anchorman comes, as for credentials, he has none. Can't tell a headline from his bum, but his voice is nice and low. Dan Duran, the anchorman's here, he's prone to falling off his chair, but he's got a big wang, so he don't care, and his voice is nice and low. My voice is nice and low. And now live from Lakeside with Humble and Fred News, brought to you today by Health Gauge. Get one, buy one, buy one, get one free. I'll tell you more after uh, Dan gets uh, done with uh, the news. Now here is anchorman Dan Duran. June 2nd, that's the next Ontario election. It's less than four months away. And with that in mind, Premier Doug Ford is removing tolls from Highway 412 in Whitby and Highway 418 in Clarington. As of April 5th, Ford said, you can hop on that highway and you can drive for free. Which is great news because I'm not a supporter of the toll highway experience in any way whatsoever, as you know. Wait a second. Is you mean that, like you don't you don't uh, you don't go for the four hundred seven? You you don't think we should have that? No, I don't think we should have. No. He thinks we <laughs> should have the highway, but you shouldn't have to pay for it. Is basically right. His, yeah. Yeah. Hmm. So it's a it's a, a lot of uh, capital and a lot of uh, land that has been uh, you know cordoned off for that purpose, and I don't think it should just be for people who can afford a fifty dollar a trip. You know, trip from you know wherever into uh, into downtown, or you know, basically, it's going to cost you a fair bit every day if you're commuting. Okay. So, mm-hmm. it does encourage people who have means to use it, and not so much people who don't. So, yeah, those I, I people don't agree of, with those people of means help thin out the other arteries that most of the people are using for themselves. Yes, but shouldn't it be taking the pressure off the four hundred one and pushing it up that way? It does and, take the pressure off the four hundred one. That's the point mm-hmm. of it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so and it's it's expensive and that's the reason it's expensive because that makes it convenient because if it was cheap it would be as loaded as the 401. Okay. Um well. all right, what about license stickers? Does that mm-hmm. annoy you as well? Yes, Premier Doug Ford is uh, promising, <laughs> promising rebates to millions of Ontario vehicle owners for the license renewal fees they paid during a pandemic and will scrap the fees and renewal stickers going forward. So explain this to me, Dan. So you, we no longer need to go and so as of now, and I got a little secret to share with you because I haven't replaced my sticker in two years. Part of it was because we weren't allowed to go into service Ontario certain Ontario outlets, but I right. haven't, I've still got a, you know, I haven't done it since the pandemic. So now you're saying I don't have to. I am saying that now you don't have to. You well, you know what? I don't know if they're going to get rid of the uh, sticker just yet, but there is uh, a talk about having a, a, you know, like license plate recognition systems. Mm. Yeah. So uh, you. Go ahead, Fred. You no, no, just, yeah. Howard's question. Number one, you still owe that money, regardless of what happens with this new rule. You owe that money, Howard. They're going to get you sooner or later because I went through that. 
So you're going to owe two years at a hundred and whatever dollars. Mm. Right. Um, but then, but my understanding is that they're going to refund that. Not, not for everyone, but the, that there's rebates, rebates coming up. Yeah. For Freddie, that. the story was that if you paid it, you're going to get a refund. During the pandemic. Yeah, no, and you know, paid it retroactive to this session, not for 20 and 21 and not that. You won't get it for that. You'll get it if you paid for this year mm. and then he, he he erases it. Then you'll just get that back. So what are you saying, Fred? I got to go pay it and then I never have to pay it again? Yes, to get your to get the new free sticker, you will have to pay for those two previous years. Okay. Here's the deal, too. Um, you're, the system's exactly the same because cars need to be registered with numbers yeah. and stickers and stuff like that. It just won't cost anything. And the re- well, wait a minute. I, I don't know. There is talk about getting rid of the sticker. Other provinces well, have done that. Oh, okay. But well, maybe there is. But I, I'm, you, I'm you just still saying. need to register your vehicle. It's yeah. it's the sticker may go away, but the license plate you still need that, and you need to register. Yes. And you still need to pay you know yes. whatever previous tolls and to parking mm-hmm. tickets that has to be cleared off before you yes. can renew. Yes. I'm not sure about the what you're saying, Fred, is because uh, the way I read the articles about it is that the rebates uh, are going back to anybody who renewed during the pandemic will get a rebate. So, uh, and then scrapping oh. the free fees going forward. Oh, no. So, yeah. a little some confusion. No, no. If you say you got it, say last year you renewed and you got a two year sticker that's taking you say into twenty three, you'll get a rebate. For the portion that it, from when it becomes free to what to when you paid. That's okay. that's what the rebates are about. So some people I get mine for two years at a time. So if I just got mine for two years going two years in the future and he says of June 1st, you no longer need the sticker. Of course, they're going to rebate me that money. But there's no rebates for 20 and 21. Sorry, that'd be nice. But it's that's not the case. We'll see. Um, just quickly, the reaction to that, too. You know, everything is so political. And I look at Ottawa. You know, that was more like uh, that was more of a right wing uh, protest and then a sitting uh, liberal government. You know, just reverse the roles. You know, a left wing protest with a right wing sitting. All those people would have been for the Emergencies Act. The, the same people that are against it now would be totally for it. And they'd be saying the same things about those left wing protesters that we're saying about right wing protesters. It's just also political. And this thing, you know, since Ford announced this license plate sticker thing, if you don't like the guy, you're finding a problem with him doing this. Well, that's why I asked Dan. Hilarious. I asked Dan that because I know that, you know, he's not a big fan of our premier. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Well, it, it, as far as the tolls go, that's why. But I'm, I'm not so sure. I don't really care. But, uh, you know, the money has to. I mean, the income has to come into the government sooner or later for some of this stuff. So this is one income stream that I don't know. Really, is it necessary to get rid of that fee? Mm, Maybe yeah, for a couple of years. Yes. I don't know. Mm. But let, let me play the middle here. I, okay. Why I think he's doing it. And I'm just playing the middle here. He had promised a reduction in the price of gas taxes. And I don't think he can deliver. And I think because he can't deliver on that, which was a pretty big election promise, he's doing this because it costs less money. So that's my sort of cynical spin on it. But hey, that's politics. Well, I got to tell you right now, if you want to save money on a Phoenix, that's the Health Gauge watch, uh, you can. I can tell you how, Fred. You go to healthgauge.com, buy one, get one free. That's the premier had nothing to do with that. 
Get it all on their own. And if you haven't, you know, if you've been thinking about the watch, Fred's got it, I've got it. You know, a lot of people have it now. Keeps track of a lot of health issues, whether it's your blood pressure, your temperature, calories burned, blood wave, uh, blood, uh, wave pog- uh, you know, stuff. <laughs> I don't, I'm just, obviously, I don't have it in front of me, but that doesn't matter. You know? <laughs> blood pressure. <laughs> I did. I did blood pressure. Anyway, the point is, it's uh, it really is something else. Go to healthgauge.com and uh, for a limited time and I'm I keep checking for you guys every day and it still says buy one get one free. That's at healthgauge.com a, a big supporter of this program. Boyo. Boygo. 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 That's what the road that's the sound the road runner makes. Right? Boygo. <laughs> meep, meep. Anything, anything else Dan? Uh, I'm still stuck on this, by the way. I just looked up a couple of sites, and they both said uh, the government will also refund any license plate renewal fees paid since March 2020 for eligible vehicle owners. So So. uh, so to Fred's point, though, do I have to go and pay two years of back register or whatever sticker fees? You may, and then they'll refund that according to what they're saying. So I'm going to be refunded, too, then? Yeah. That makes no sense. Uh, Yeah. uh, Anyway. Yeah. And it's about a billion bucks a year that they'll uh, be losing out of <clears throat> out of general revenue, I guess, for that. Well, yeah. Dan, you know what? Mm-hmm. Uh, what do they, they rob Peter to pay Paul? You know, you like Bible shit. How about some Bible? <laughs> <laughs> you know, is, you is don't that, have the Bible. Is that, is that a Bible thing? I don't know, Dan. Is that a, you know? Gee, I didn't. I, I didn't uh, know that was a Bible. Well, it's some Bible right. stuff in there, my friend. Peter and Paul are Bible people. <laughs> but okay. not Peter, Paul, and Mary. Uh, thanks no, to uh, Stu not. Stone and uh, Adam this morning. What a great, uh, that was a fun interview with those guys, catching up with uh, them and uh, our former intern. Yes, that was quite the story. Yeah, exactly. I, and uh, I vaguely, vaguely remember yes, that. So I. And I think that was just before I was showing the door. I, I do remember I this, though. I remember that kid is the one that hooked us up with Jamie Kedney and then Stu Stone. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. So that part had some kind of sense memory. But yeah, that was a pretty, that was a tough time in our careers, 2004, 2005. Uh, Dan Duran, uh, thank you for your service to this uh, program. Thank you for having me as always. Mm-hmm. always and uh, listen, before we say goodbye, let's listen to this. Cursing during your commute again? Do you find yourself living at work instead of working from home? Couldn't this have been an email? When it feels like all that's left is work hard, you know it's time to play. It's easy to find your next favorite game at Bodog.net. Play free casino games, get poker tips, and check out the latest sports odds. Visit Bodog.net today. Hashtag make a play. This episode of Humble and Fred was brought to you by Gig Sky, the Retirement Sherpa, the Chambers Plan, Bodog, Health Gauge, Canna and GoDaddy. For Humble and Fred, I'm Dan Duran, and don't forget the final day of the Hypocrisy Tour winds up tomorrow. Tomorrow.